Are you ready to live your best life, be stronger, and fall in love with yourself? It's possible, and it's inside you, but you need to unlock the power within. Welcome to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. Jody used to be afraid to take risks. It took some stepping out of her comfort zone to get her there. Along with her guests and their stories, Jody will help you to live your best life ever. Now, here's your host, Jody Harrison Bauer. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Fearlessly Authentic. I am your host, Jody Harrison Bauer. And if you are a first time listener, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. On this show, my aim with my guests is to always educate, empower, entertain you a bit and inspire you to live a fearlessly authentic life. Because in my opinion, what, what, what else are we doing here for not living fearlessly authentic? And it changes all the time. But uh, with my guests, we talk about maybe obstacles they've overcome to reach their goals or have created a service or a product that helps other people become fearlessly authentic, overcome their obstacles. So I'm very excited about today's guest. But before we start, I wanted to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe. Leave me a message. I love to hear from you. I love to hear what you think of the show, what you'd like to hear. We are um, 100 100 countries are listening to us right now, Adam. So it's really kind of cool. Um, And I love doing the live show. But if you don't catch it live, you can catch me any place you listen to podcasts. So thank you again. Remember to rate, review and subscribe. And so I want to get right into our show today. I want to introduce Adam Lippin to the show. Welcome. Thank you. I appreciate you uh, inviting me on the show. Yeah, I'm so excited because this is a topic we're going to talk about things that um, are still kind of taboo. Uh, we're definitely taboo when we were growing up, even though I think we're like 10 or 15 years apart, but, you know, grew up in the 60s, 70s, 80s, maybe. And, uh, you know, um, but we're going to get really deep into it. And we're going to talk very candidly, but a, a little bit about Adam Entrepreneur Adam Lippin believes deeply in the transformative power of authentic human connection. As the founder and CEO of Hear Me, Adam's on a mission to make mental health support accessible, affordable, and immediate. Being a yoga and meditation practitioner for over 20 years, Adam says there's a transcendence that comes from being truly heard, seen, and validated by another human being. Being seen for who we really are as a whole person without judgment. I love that whole feeling because that is one of the reasons I named the show Fearlessly Authentic. Because as you heard in the intro, I was always afraid to take risks. But um, so many times in my life, I wasn't heard or didn't feel heard or seen and that makes you feel really sad. So tell us about the Hear Me app. How did it start? Tell us about it. Yeah, and and when you reached out, fearlessly authentic, it, it was a, a yes, regardless of anything else, but because of Thank the name you. and and Thank you. therefore had a sense of what you were about, even without actually meeting you first. Um, So essentially, the concept of Hear Me is that we all don't need therapy, but we all need someone to talk to. And Brene Brown talks about vulnerability being our superpower. 
and a problem shared is a problem halved. And one of my favorite expressions is we're not the survival of the fittest, fittest, but we're the survival of the nurtured, right? Mm. So the, what I wanted to do is create a space where anyone, anytime uh, could get something off their chest to be seen, heard, and validated yeah. with someone uh, who can be there for them, uh, trying to match as best possible with someone with a similar lived experience yeah. with a real desire to be there and some real foundational training in active and reflective listening skills. So, you know, there's a huge mental health crisis, which is getting worse. We all know about it. There's a limited supply of therapists and and psychiatrists. So assuming that therapy and psychiatry was the appropriate sort of methodology for most people, and I would argue that it's not, even though if you need it, please get it. I hope it's available to you. But if you look at sort of just at least in the States, demographically, the the black population, the BIPOC population is, you know, a lot higher than the 2% of psychiatrists that are black and the 4% of therapists that are black. So what Hear Me is able to do is match people uh, from a similar, uh, if they want to be, from a similar uh, sort of experience, which comes from my personal experience of growing up gay, knowing that there was nothing inherently wrong with me, even if I could somehow ask my parents for therapy that, you know, I wouldn't have been able to. And then therapy, I just needed someone that I could talk to uh, that was gay, that I could sort of relate to. I knew there was nothing wrong with me, but I did not have access to that. And so that caused a lot of problems, which we can get into at some point later on. But that's sort of the, the reason behind Hear Me and what Hear Me is all about. And what I love about it is that is the accessibility because it's free, right? Yeah, so we have a we we do have a, a an enterprise product and we okay. do have a consumer premium, but it's also free for anyone. Okay, so it's free and it's immediate, and that's what I think most people need. You know, I have a therapist. I've had a therapist for probably twenty years, off and on, depending on what's going on in my life. And you know, back when I started in therapy, um, even before I got divorced almost 20 years ago, I, there was some shame. There was some embarrassment. I wasn't sharing it. I would have never gotten on a radio show and said that I had a therapist. And, you know, it's, it's sad that it was like that back then. So having an app that you can go to now in your own privacy immediately, because sometimes your therapist isn't available, right? You know, you'd love to have your therapist on call all the time. And for the most part, they try to answer your questions, but it's great to have that accessibility, that immediacy, and knowing that the person you're reaching out to, that you're going to get paired with somebody who has a similar experience. How did you, how did you find people that you felt were capable to listen and give the person feedback who was either anxious, lonely, or stressed? Let's just take those three things. So... That's a great question. So first off, when you download the app and you decide to have a conversation with someone, you pick the filter in which you want to uh, do. So it, can be, so it can be anything from LGBT, excuse me, LGBTQ, new mom, uh, parenthood, work, et cetera. So you get matched with someone and only the people that have that lived experience will be available for you. Right. Mm. Those people are people who decide that they want to be available for other people. And they're everyone from anyone 
right? I mean, they go through training, but anyone can can be a listener as long as you go through training and you're part of our training program. But also we have masters of social work students that provide 20 hours a week because it's their last year of uh, MSW school and mm-hmm. the requirement that they have. And we have all sorts of uh, internship programs, anything from an undergrad psych, undergrad psych student. Uh, and this is worldwide. So we have programmatic ways to get people. And then, you know, I'm not a Kevin Costner fan, but that movie, if you build it, they'll come or what's called Field of Dreams. And so I intuitively knew that there's a huge, we feel better um, primarily two two ways, right? One is reaching out for support and the other is giving support. So Mm -hmm. people who give support uh, have as, get as much benefit, if not more, out of it than people that are getting the support. And I've been in recovery now for 24 years. And the whole premise of, you know, the sponsor sponsee model, right? In order to keep it, you give it away. If you want to, if you want to, you know, be there for someone else, that's how you aid in your own recovery. So if people want to feel self-esteem, you do esteemable acts. One of the most esteemable acts you can do. Um, is to be there for somewhere else, for someone else. You give your time. You're not giving your money if money is an issue for you. And there's an equality there. Uh, and and therefore, people can sort of relate to each other as equals. And it's not like someone fixing you, right? It's not like you're the yeah. problem to be solved. You're a human with human needs, desires, wants, life experiences, issues. You hate your mother, your boss, you know, all of the various things that we all go through on a daily basis. So tell, let's go back to who you were. You don't have to go back to like the day you were born, but who, how you grew up. I know you talk a lot about being lonely and I think this is what's led you to this place, but you were, you know, a successful restaurant owner, several restaurants, but you know, how did you get to this place? Let's start from how it started to where, where you are now. So I got to it through a very long, arduous, and somewhat painful journey. Mm. So when I was young, I knew that I was gay, and I knew that it was inherently something I couldn't share with people. How young did you realize this? Eight, nine, 10, 11. Okay. And so from an outward perspective, I mimicked what I thought straight people wear, Aww. act like, talk like, or interested in. So from a oh, very early age, killing I me. The, killing me. Yeah. And and so I had this vision of myself as living like in a box within a box. So it's very hard to be connected with people when you're not being there for people, when they're not seeing who you are. And it creates a lot of loneliness and disconnection. So I dealt with that in two different ways. The healthy way was yoga and meditation, right? Which is still a big part of my life. But even with that, you know, there's this concept called spiritual materialism. So I can drop down in meditation and I would feel better than other people. Like I'm somehow superior because I can, I can meditate, you know, I can sit on a cushion for an hour and right. Right. So that separated me from people as good as, as good as it is. And the other part was drugs and alcohol, which we all know that story. The, the, the silver lining is I got sober and clean and I really understood through AA, frankly, like what it's like to be in connection with other people and how to do it. So that was sort of my path. Um, so did you, really, did it you, wasn't so. Quick question: Did you feel like you had to hit rock bottom because you were dealing with trying to be straight when you were gay, living in that box where you feel like you weren't really communicating it, so you were isolating yourself from other people because you knew that, like, 
you weren't the same as them. And then drugs and alcohol, was that the last part of finally starting to live in, let's just call it your authentic self? It's a great question. And for me, it's it's sort of like you ever see like a bunch of electrical wires all sort of smashed together and t- tangled, and it's really hard to understand how to untangle them. So I, it's hard for me to, to be really linear about sort of the progression. I understand. But I, I will say that it from the time that I entered recovery, mm-hmm. from the time that I thought I could, and, and it's a very slow process, um, to the time that I fully came out, that there was full integration between every aspect of my life was about 25 years. Right. So I was getting getting better, but it really took me until I sold my restaurant chain Atomic Wings and I decided to do something with my life that had had meaning, was authentic to who I was, that could actually take all of my experiences and be there for other people. I was very fortunate. I made a nice living. I sold my company. So I don't know if any of you know about the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, where it's like food, security, shelter, safety. But the top part is sort of what's called self-actualization, right? Which I you could I could interpret it as being authentic, mm. right? Because when you're really at that space, you can be authentic. And many of us, it's hard to be authentic anyway. So that's when I really decided that the only way to do something really meaningful was to do something about my sort of historic problem of loneliness and isolation, the only way I'm going to be able to have a business bringing people together is if I'm completely myself. And so every, and and that's when I really became fully integrated. Um, and every day it's like you sort of come out in different ways. So it's, it's an ever, you're never done, right? Correct. Like, you know, I have a, a I, I'm now living in Louisiana, Post-COVID, it's a long story. But anyway, I go to this barber and my husband and my son go to this barber. But he didn't know up until like two months ago that there was any connection between the three of us. Right. But then my son was getting his hair cut and he was talking about us. And then Troy, the barber, put it all together. I had a cordial relationship with Troy, but we didn't have, you know, it was a cordial relationship. I showed up yesterday to get a haircut. He's talking his ear off. He's telling me about the, 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 you know, what's going on with his son. He's asking about Daniel and my husband and, you know, all these different things. So him finding out who I really was mm. enabled him to open up to me in a way that created a real relationship. So it's a constant evolution, I think, you know. I absolutely agree with you with the evolution. And that's, you know, when at the beginning of the show, I talk about that, like we're always evolving. We are always changing. So that education to understand who we are, that self-actualization and is empowering because as we become more of ourselves, and it's never easy to really figure out who we are. But as we become more and more comfortable with who we are and proud of who we are, not isolating and feeling lonely, that that's when we really start feeling like more fulfilled. And I think fulfillment is so important in our lives. And, you know, I have two daughters, they're 29 and 33. And look, the divorce wasn't easy, but again, it was a long time ago, but you know, everybody goes through different things. And I always say to them, smile breathe and be grateful for what you have right now. And I know that sounds so simple and and they, I know they're rolling their eyes when they get that text from me, but I mean, a simple smile, it just makes you go, 
okay, life's not so, so tough right now. Um, but it, you know, I, I can relate to feeling isolated because I was a little different, you know, even as a suburban housewife, I didn't feel like I fit in. I felt like I couldn't be who I was. I felt like it was at the point where I couldn't breathe anymore in my marriage. So that's why I had to leave and figure out at the age of 42, who is Jody? Who does Jody want to be? Obviously, as a parent, you understand your children come first and foremost, a mother first. And that's important to be that 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 person to your children for them to model or at least take see what see who mom really is or who dad really is, because we don't want to lie to our kids about who we are. We want them to to um, embrace who they truly are. So I understand that. I think everybody, whether you're gay or you're you're not, or you're bi or whatever you are, whatever your sexuality is, doesn't even have anything to do with it, but whatever your status is in life, you need to um, really be true to who you are. Cause yeah, that's how we're happy. I think most of us for whatever reason have some core shame yeah. and that shame holds us back from being who we are, mm. which in and of itself is bad because it hurts us. What I really learned is that when I am myself, I'm allowing other people, they're happier around me, right? Because like, if I'm having a conversation, if Jody, like Jody and I are talking, right? And I feel like she's holding back something and I might not even know it. I may just, I may just feel it. I may not even like consciously know it, but it's going to, it's going to reflect how I respond back to Jody and how safe I feel with Jody. Right. So it's really, so, and that, and that will strengthen a relationship with Jody that I can potentially bring new people into my life, which, with, which makes our lives healthier and happier. Right. So it's a whole cycle. And I just want to please let everyone know that if you're at this space right now where you feel a lot of shame and you're not feeling authentic and you're feeling like you'll never get there. It took me a very, very long time. I didn't think I'll ever get there. I remember having a friend telling me I'm going to die old and alone in a one bedroom apartment on the Upper West Side. And I thought to myself, I get to have a one bedroom. Right. And my life is so much more full and rich now. But when you, it's hard to see it when you don't see it. It's like if you have, if you're in physical pain, you have a, you know, something, you throw your back out. It's hard to remember what it's like to not have a back pain. And then when you don't have the back pain, you forget how bad it was to have the back pain. So I've been through it. it it's a rough road, uh, but you will get there. And we all have our own journey. So I just want to throw that out there because it's sort of like when someone tells me to, when someone says feel better. Well, it's like, Oh, like, you know, it, it makes you feel worse because you can't just feel better. So right. I want to make sure I'm not throwing platitudes around because it Thank is a you. journey. It is a process. It is. Two, step, two steps forward, one step back. And you don't always know you're going to you're there until you look back. It's painful. It's painful, but you've got to go through the struggle to see the strength, right? Yep. So as when you were, when you owned a, a lot of restaurants, right? Called yeah, Atomic I had a Wings. restaurant chain called Atomic Wings. We had 32 yeah. locations when I sold it. And apparently they're doing really well now. I've been reading about it lately. So it's that's nice amazing. So were you, you, what was your mental state while you were, while you were building this empire? Well, um, it was an empire, I, it bifurcated, right? So I've always lived my life compartmentalized, mm, right? Me, me too. So, I get it. So it was like, 
I got along with people that worked at the restaurants. I was cordial. They were cordial, but I w- and I wasn't not out, but I wasn't out, if that makes any sense. Right. So it wasn't it felt really um, a bit distanced. Right now, there's appropriateness in terms of work, you know, in terms of how you show up at work, you need to have boundaries, et cetera. But there was a fundamental slight disconnect between how people saw me, how I saw myself and what I was willing to share and not share. So it was a great experience overall, but I knew that I needed for me, for my personal growth and for me to really be in connection with people, I had to get past the sort of compartmentalizing my different parts or acting different ways to different types of people. So when you left that part of your life and was it more for your mental well-being or you were just done? We don't need to get deep into that, but I, yeah. I didn't. I was curious. done. I mean, okay. I, I was literally done. I remember, you know, I was opening a restaurant. I was a, I was a franchisor at the time in Springfield, uh, Massachusetts and I remember thinking, and my your job as a franchisor is you're the cheerleader, right? Like you're the person who, you know, Let's people go. are buying into. Yeah. And I felt, I felt like I was saying to myself, I could care less if there's another chicken wing restaurant in the world. You know, I was like, I was like, I can't believe I have to be here for this when I really like it had no meaning anymore. I knew then I had to leave. And I also knew at that point that my next chapter, I had to. I had to really bring it all together, confront some fears and just be myself, but like really be myself. And, you know, I always say like, you all you need is 20 seconds of courage, right? Because if you have that 20 seconds to say what you want to say, then everything can shift for you. And most of us get stuck and we can't summon up that 20 seconds of courage, which can lead to decades of unhappiness. I um are you you're familiar with Mel Robbins, right? Sure. So she has this book 54321. Yeah. And so I do that to myself a lot uh, because I am a scaredy cat, not as much as I used to be, because it's um it is and big and big risks come with big rewards, but there's always consequences to our actions, right? So, but once you knew that you're like, I don't, I don't give a shit if there's another chicken wing sold ever, you're like, I'm so out of here. And you know, I know other people that have been in businesses and they say the same thing. I just don't, I don't care anymore. I just don't care. Let me sell it, let me move on. And how were you doing during that time? Were you struggling? Were you where like like once you sold it and you were out of it, was it like, what do I do now? Or you spoke about once I got over the fear, what was the fear at that time? So there was a transitionary period where, so I have a company, another company, which I'm getting out of because I'm just getting too busy. That was my transition company from Atomic Wings into Hear Me. And that's called Cuddlist, C-U-D-D-L-A-S-T, Cuddlist.com. And it's a professional cuddling platform. So Going back to like my loneliness and disconnection, I was thinking, what's the quickest way to make a connection? And if you look at, you know, a baby is born, you hold them in all in all sort of important moments in life. If you're lucky enough, you're getting hugged, you're giving a hug. There's some kind of physical touch. We tend to think of touch as being sexualized. But if you really think about your life and that, you know, when you hug your mother, your grandmother, you, you know, 
tap a coworker, you fist pump, whatever it is that you do, those are not sexualized actions. And yet they're really important to make us feel better. So I started a business training people to be professional cuddlers. You're amazing. uh, For people that that need it. And it's it's been amazing. It's been around for like six years now. And, you know, we work with trauma survivors and severely obese people and people who are disabled. And it's just, it's been incredibly gratifying. Um, so I was beginning that process. So that was sort of my my real process out. And I started that while I still had one foot in the door with Atomic Brain. So it wasn't like a complete break. It was sort of a, right. you know, I was getting divorced as I was starting something new. Mm-hmm. And you were leaning into the whole mental wellness based on Absolutely. what you've gone through that you didn't want people suffering through the same thing. And that's an did people think it was a little weird to like oh my God. hire I'm a from New York? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, people couldn't believe it. And, and for me, like when I started uh, selling chicken, people were like doubting it. You can't have a business just selling chicken. So my, I don't know if it's healthy or not, but I started to get off on that. Like, cause then it's like, I have to prove something, right? Like yeah, that's my it. sort of competitive nature. It's like, yes, I can. And watch me. Right. And so. Wait, are you the- a Capricorn? No, I'm a Libra. Oh, okay. All right. Go ahead. Uh, Sorry. This probably isn't Libra energy, but I, I, I am competitive in that regard. And it's like, don't tell so me I can't do something. And I'm gonna, then you're gonna, you're gonna make me do it. Not that's why. So, I got a lot of, you know, a lot of shit for it, for lack of better words. You know, like people were like dogging me and you're crazy <laughs> and what are you doing and it's ridiculous and all of this stuff. And I'd be okay, just watch. Just and watch. you know, it turns out that we. I mean, I can show you the, the testimonials that come in. It's it's the most beautiful thing in the, on earth. It's like if you're someone who, you know, a lot of us, if we're lucky enough, you take touch for granted because you have it. But imagine you don't, right? And a lot of reporters, we had a lot of press on, a lot of reporters are generally in their 20s and they're in the dating world, right? And I'd say, wait 40, wait till you're divorced, you gain 200 pounds, you have diabetes or, you know, a loved one died. You know, it's like, you can't imagine what you can't imagine, right? But there's a lot of people out there. And I knew I had a good idea. So I was living in Manhattan at the time and I had a lot of women friends who were probably in their 50s, right? And when I was explaining this to them and that were sort of single, right? And like perpetually single. Yeah. When I was explaining it, I would see them, they'd ha- they'd start out like really distant and then they'd start to melt. And then I'd sort of ask, can I put my, can I hug, can I put my arm on your back, whatever. They would start to cry because it made them realize how much is missing in their own life. And that experience is universal for people, unfortunately. So I wanted to do something about that. I thought the quickest way to sort of shift that incredible loneliness was to have a, an experience with another person that was close and, and honest. Right. And everybody, this I don't know why this question just popped into my head. Do they have to be 18 and over? Yes. Okay. Okay. Just wanted for everything. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, when I was thinking, I'm, you know, you have a son, I have daughters mm-hmm. and, you know, if you don't touch them, if you don't hug them, if you don't hold them or your significant other, there's no hugs. I say to my husband all the time, just hug me, just hug me. He's a foot taller than me. And I'm just like, just hug me. And it's like, that's where I feel safe. Yeah. There's tons of evidence and studies that prove that, you know, the amount of healthy touch we get in our life, which is different from unhealthy touch, Mm. but the amount of healthy touch that we life, um, helps us in every aspect of our life, every, you know, psychosocial, 
physical, spiritual, mental. It's really important. That feel, that touch. So from there, so that company's still around. That was your transition. And then you went into, Hear me. you started to hear me because. So what happened was I, I, I knew, I knew it hit I knew there was something there and I hired a research firm to do a deep dive into who, what, and why, why are people paying a hundred bucks or $80 an hour? What are they really looking for? Mm -hmm. And so we did deep research and people want to be seen, heard and validated and feel more human. Mm -hmm. Right. And the depths of what people hiring a professional cuddler shows you the depth of loneliness because it's it was I think it's shifting but it was it was fairly shameful for a lot of people like my life is so bad I'm so lonely I have to hire someone to hug me so I would feel that way yeah shifting right yeah. it's been shifting um but it was there and so and then people started to call up and they'd say well I don't have a hundred bucks I'm not near any one of your practitioners I just want to talk to someone mm. so then I sort of was like okay this is something that I can really do at scale support many, many people. Yeah. Uh, it's not just for quote, you know, wealthier people that have a hundred bucks an hour and right. geographically we can service everyone in the world. We can bring more people into it. So that was sort of the genesis. Right. It's like going into the digital world with the feel, the touch, even though there's not somebody there right with you. It's brilliant. It is so brilliant. Oh, thank you. We're going to take a break right now. We'll be back in a couple of minutes with Adam Lippin. And so stay with us. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. On Fearlessly Authentic, Jody talks about mental and physical well-being, and the key to both starts with proper nutrition. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan was created to help your body feel better. Whether your goal is to lose weight, gain muscle, or just feel lighter and more energetic, following this meal plan can help you get there. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan is a 21-day plan to help you learn the most important things about the food we eat and what foods are right for you based on your goals and activity level. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan is a real plan for real life. This is not a diet, but a change in lifestyle. The plan is simple and easy for you to follow. In the 21-day plan, you will receive meal ideas, snack ideas, a grocery list, and a 21-day journal crucial to your success with inspirational quotes to keep you motivated and keep track of your progress. The key to success is commitment, consistency, and willpower. Be fearless and trust the journey. Go to JodyFit.com to purchase the JodyFit meal plan now and use the promo code podcast to get 25% off. You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. 
Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our listeners have told us that they want to be motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement around the clock. And we've responded to you. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's here at voiceamericaempowerment.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or comments you may have. Send an email to info at jodyharrisonbauer.com. That's info at jodyharrisonbauer.com. Now, back to Fearlessly Authentic. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Fearlessly Authentic. I'm Jody Harrison Bauer, and I'm here with Adam Lippin, and we are talking about how important it is to take care of your mental health, to that mental well being is just as important as taking care of your body and from, so welcome back, Adam. Hi. Thank you. (laughs) Um, You know, I've been in the fitness industry, I've been in the fitness industry for over 33 years. I've been working out for 40 years and, you know, back then nobody was talking about mental well-being as we touched upon at the beginning of the show. Could I say how old you are? Sure. Okay. So you're going to be 59. So you're 58 and I'm 61. So you're going to be 59. I'm going to be 62. So we grew up in the same era and um, people didn't talk about it. People took a lot of drugs. I know my mom had her, her little cabinet in the kitchen where she took her Valium and never went to therapy ever until she was probably in her fifties. And, um, and it did change her life. It really did. But um you know, there was just such a stigma attached to feeling ashamed. Nobody talked about being lonely. Nobody talked about being seen or being heard. And growing up, knowing that you were gay at seven, eight or nine years old, um, you didn't feel comfortable even sharing this with your parents. I'm curious as to when you finally told them. Oh, I was 19. And why did you tell them at 19? Was Were you off at school? Were you on your own? Yeah, I, so I, oh, this is what happened. My, my older sister, Lori, had an apartment on a 92nd in York, and she traveled a lot for work. And so this was my freshman or sophomore year, my sophomore year coming home from, co- from college. Mm-hmm. And I lived in her apartment, but I worked with my mom. She was a teacher at a special ed school in Pleasantville. And um, I just told them, I mean, I, I felt like I was, I felt like I needed to, right. I, I just, it was an important thing to do. And, uh, I would see my mom at work. So we would sort of like, we, you know, we, we sort of work through it, but my dad, I sort of told them it was like late at night and I left to go back to the city. And a few days, I saw him like a week later and said, you can't come home and tell me you're gay and move to the city. For all I know, you can be like the queen of the ramrod, which is like a <laughs> bar in the West Village. So I'm like, fuck you, man. You don't know, you don't know anything. So, right, right. so that's how it happened. And, you know, it's we sort of worked it through. Um, well, my sister didn't come out until she was almost 40. Wow. And she wanted me to tell my parents. Hmm. And I said, no, that's on you. Um, you have to do that. So, um, and she's been married, I think for six or seven years now. 
uh, to a woman she met almost 20 years ago. So in like a chat room, like remember, like what was it? Whatever yeah, those AOL things chat were. Room. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah. So the people that you hired, we've been talking about your Hear Me app. And that came from Cuddlist, knowing that people needed a human touch. Need, people needed to be heard, be seen, and be, you know, need, they needed that touch. Yeah. If they couldn't get near somebody who could cuddle them or afford right. that. So you can, you realized there was a huge, huge need. Yeah. To give, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So, so part of what people were, they were, the touch is important and they were getting that touch, but they wanted to feel more human. They wanted to feel more connected. They felt totally disconnected. And I wanted to give people an opportunity to get things off their chest, right? When you, when everything, because my life so much was bottled up. Right. And I spend so much of my energy thinking of if I could only talk to someone about this and then try to figure out who I could talk to and then psych myself out why I can't. Right. Right. So I I wanted to create a, a seamless, stigma free, immediate access access experience and technology allowed us to do it. Right. So uh, that was sort of the genesis behind it. So, yes, there's not that physical touch, but there's the the, the emotional support. There's a. The just sharing the venting, all of that is really important. And so that's what we provide. And when you can provide it again with someone that you feel psychologically safe with, that's very, very powerful. And it's what most of us sort of need. So even if you have clinical needs, even if you have a therapist, you're lucky enough or a psychiatrist for whatever particular, uh, whatever you're dealing with, you still have that desire from time to time to get things off your chest and you don't want to wait till next Thursday at 4 p.m., right? You're, right? you're sitting with it now. So what if you can get it off your chest now? How good will you feel and get on with your day, the flow of your life, just to say whatever, whatever it is. And it's available 24-7. Yeah, 24-7. So for example, college students, I mean, you know, relationships are tough and it may sound like to an outsider, like, you know, yeah, sure. But if you're going through, you're a 21 year old woman or guy, whoever, and you're in it to be able to get it out is really helpful. Cause you know what? Your friends are tired of listening to you. You can't tell your mom or whatever. So like having a neutral person that is there to support you, to be there for you is really impactful and very, very powerful. How far can the person, the people taking the calls give advice? Do you have boundaries as to Yes, what you- so we don't give advice. Okay. What we can do is ask if, so let's say you're telling me about, you know, infertility, let's say, right? Oh I yeah, that's never, so really something I Assuming that. I was a woman, I, I wouldn't say, <laughs> I wouldn't say you need to do this. I would say, would you like to hear my experience and what I went through? And then if they say, yes, I could share a bit of my journey, what works for me or what didn't work for me. But you always have to, the whole, the whole thing with Cuddlist and Hear Me is about empowering people. When someone tells you what to do, I know, you know, I'm sure you do things, you know, you're not supposed to do. Everyone could tell you not to do that to the cows come home, but it's not until you make the decision not to do it. And so I don't think, Telling people what to do works in general. I think it's almost like when someone gives you unsolicited advice, it's almost their way of saying, I'm kind of done listening to you. I've had enough, right? And I'm not I'm not here enough for you. And, and that can create some tension there. So we don't give advice. We share if 
given permission, something that we've done. And if someone has really, you know, issues that are way beyond what we do, we have a lot of resources that we can give out for all sorts of issues up to and including like a suicide uh, prevention hotline or handoff. Uh, but in general, we're subclinical, meaning we're not designed to solve clinical issues, but evidence shows the more you get things off your chest subclinically, potentially the less clinical needs you will actually have. That's interesting. How long is there a limit for the call? So we empower our listeners to make decisions that are right for them. Okay. So you are not, you're not there to be beat up or punched. You're not there to be abused. Right. So as long as the listener is clear with what their boundaries are, some listeners like 20 minutes, I'm done. I can't do more than that. Other people will stand for hours, but it's the 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 listener has to be empowered to make those choices that are right for themselves. And we're really, we're really, I think boundaries are critically important. And I think clear boundaries are are really important. Very. So if the listener has a particular time frame in mind, hey, I'm I'm here for you for 25 minutes or 30 minutes, or I'm here as long as you want. But as long as a listener, because if there's a there's a disconnection and someone because then someone starts to feel taken advantage of, right. and and if you feel taken advantage of, you're not going to be fully present. So it's all about the conditions to be fully present, and that can look very different for many different people. You know what I love what you're saying is that it's clear that you've you've gone through this journey yourself because you understand it so well. And I'm so grateful to have been introduced to you so you can share this information to the listeners because whether it's them or somebody they love or care for, they can share this. So thank you for, you know, wanting to get this out into the world, literally the world now so global. So thank you. Thank you for saying that. I, I you know, makes it makes me feel really, really good. And and I will say I am incredibly proud of myself. And um, it's it's really I feel very blessed. And there's sort of something magical about I think what we've created because we we bring in so many people. There's an ever abundance, right, of people who can be there for other people. And in order, you know, assuming. We're never going to solve a way out of this mental health crisis. And in fact, loneliness, according to Surgeon General Vivek Murthy, is the number one health crisis facing our country. It's worse than obesity and worse than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. It is one of the leading indicators of, uh, of, of negative outcomes if you don't have it, right? One of the primary indicators across a long study, 60 years with people that went to Harvard, uh, Cigna Health, et cetera. Is is sort of the the amount of people that you have in your life to support you when you're going through something, right? The sixty one percent of Americans and seventy nine percent of Americans between eighteen and twenty two uh, say they don't have anyone, and if that's one of the wow. major social determinants of health, something has to give. We're never going to really take mental health seriously unless we fix that social equation. So, hear me can provide instant access for people who don't have that access because we know the negative outcomes that come. There's no shame in it. All of us at different times are lonely, disconnected, don't feel like we can talk to someone. So hear me is here for you uh, for that particular, those times in your life. It's just human nature. Yeah. I read somewhere. I have it written down here um, that over 44 million Americans have mental health conditions. Um, and there's, like we said at the beginning, there's still a stigma attached to it. So 
hopefully they get on an app, your app, and they don't feel stigmatized and they, they feel stronger and empowered and maybe they need to take it to the next level, but that's where they could get possibly started, right? It's a start for sure. You know, you practice, it's a practice, you know, learning right. how to communicate is a practice. You don't, you're not a natural, some people may be are natural orators. I'm, you know, if you did my little psychological test, you know, I'm an introvert. I'm naturally, I'm comfortable sort of like, you know, being alone. It's like my go-to place. Right. Mm -hmm. So this takes work and it takes an expensive energy. Um, it does. It does. So what do you do to stay mentally fit? So I do meditate every morning for I set my alarm for 10 minutes. Uh, so I do have a sitting practice and then I'll do some yoga stretches for about five minutes or so. Uh, I love, love riding my bike. I like uh, I'm an outdoor person. So basically, I try to ride my bike a lot. And I go to the gym and I do lift weights, uh, but not like crazy because I don't want to get hurt. And that's a part of um, the yoga, going to the gym, bike riding. I love to hike whenever I get a chance. I, I like being physical and I'm incredibly like ADHD and I'm, I'm literally ADHD. So I just naturally move around a lot. And I naturally like if I'm just standing in line, I stretch or I do a squat. Like, I, you know, people think I'm, my son is so embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't help it. How old is he? He's 18. Oh, he's 18. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's that's they do get embarrassed still at 18. Yeah. Um Stop I, it. Yeah, right. Exactly. You got to keep moving. I'm the same way. I I I swear I probably have ADHD. I don't, I don't know. Um I find and I want to ask you about this, the stillness. You know, you get up, you set your alarm, you you move, you breathe, you meditate. And that's your stillness. Are there other times where you have to pull it? How do you feel about that word stillness? I love it. And, and what I do is I always check, like I, because I practice yoga meditation for so long, I'm fairly consciously aware of my breathing and when I'm not breathing. So I'm always sort of bringing my attention back to my breath. And there's this concept called interoception or exteroception and this notion that your body doesn't lie. So if you notice what you're noticing, right? If you notice what you're noticing, you can begin to just shift your breathing and your energy around to sort of come into more of a, 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 a content space, right? And the other thing I think is really important is life is stressful. Your day is going to have ups and downs. So the understanding that there will be hard times so when there are hard times, you're not feeling great, you can say to yourself, Roger, it's like, well, of course, duh. that's just human nature. So I think a lot of people seem to get stuck because things are difficult and they're like, why is everything difficult? Well, it's difficult because life is difficult. So if you sort of have that understanding, then when it happens, you have a little defense against it. Right. People get surprised when it's difficult or it gets chaotic. That's it's called life. We heard that from our parents growing up. That's life, kiddo. Right. You know, deal with it. Deal with it. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it can be a little more sensibly, but I remember, you know, with atomic wings, it'd be like two in the morning and a cashier would be complaining about how annoying your customers. I'm like, it's two in the morning on a Thursday night <laughs> right. on the Upper East Side. Who do you think is ordering chicken wings? Of course right. they're annoying. It's like that's just part of the job. <laughs> right, right. So what's the next step with Hear Me? Where are you now? Where are we yeah. taking it? What's going on? So one of the things I'm so happy and proud of is we have a we have a 
uh, a client called Ingenivis Health. And Ingenivis Health uh, is essentially a nurse staffing agency. And so we, we support nurses and we use retired nurses to be the supporters for existing nurses. They've <gasps> been where they've been. They know what it's like being an IC unit at four in the morning. There's a lot of them are traveling nurses. So what it's like when you're not near any of your, your family. Um, so that's really gratifying. So we're moving into this healthcare world because the most stressed people are healthcare providers, right? We all know during COVID, the difficulty. Because- I'm married to a doctor. Okay. So the, the stress, right? I mean, I was just listening to an AMA, American Medical Association podcast with someone who created a peer network for doctors. I mean, the level of anxiety and stress and and it's a hard life. It's right? very stressful. And I think it always was, but I think with the way healthcare has changed, it's made things even harder for them. And doctors are working longer. Remember back in the days, um, you know, doctors were retiring at 55. Yeah, that's not happening anymore. No, it, it's really stressful. So I'm really, really happy that we have a, a sort of a, a, we seem to be able to support nurses and healthcare workers. So that's probably one of the bigger parts of our focus. I mean, ultimately, it's moving into the world of insurance, et cetera. So we're looking to you know, at some, we need to make money. You know, we, li- we live in that kind of world and right. we had a nonprofit for two years without wanting to have a nonprofit. Um, so we're working to sort of commercialize selling primarily to, you know, industries, companies, et cetera. So you, so it is free, but then it goes, there is a paint, there are different, I don't want to throw it out yeah, there. So that's right now, anyone, app. anywhere so can download just... the app. It's totally okay. free. You get connected. Got right? it. We do have an enterprise product, which okay. is not free, mm-hmm. um, that we charge, we curate listeners. We use peer support specialists. We don't really have enough time to get into it, but we, yeah, use, yeah, yeah. We, use a, we use a different type of listener. And we provide different analytic tools, anonymized, of course, back. Uh, so it's the same basic premise. It's just presented a little bit differently. Okay. I was just curious about that. Yeah. Um, what if... You had to tell somebody what was the most important thing somebody would want to know about you. What would it be? Know about me? Yes. I know I didn't prepare you for this question. No, I mean, I, I, well, I guess my question would be, why would I care? Would be the first question. If it's about me, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's sort of ego. In terms of what I want to accomplish and what I'd like to contribute, I think what I'm doing now is what I want to be doing and I want to be contributing. I think if you're lucky enough to find what it is that you that that calls you and you can do it, then that's really everything. And so right now I feel like I'm just doing I'm on earth doing what I'm meant to be doing. It's a wonderful feeling. And um, so in terms of what people think about me, I don't really care that much in terms of what I want to put out there. Yeah. I, and I guess that's what I meant. I wanted to know what it would that you would want people to know about you. And yeah. so the big question is here now is what does it mean to you to live a fearlessly authentic life? It means total integration for me. And it means every day making a commitment to be honest, mm. regardless of the consequences of that. And I think if you're clear, if you're clear and you then you can be honest in a way 
that is not aggressive or passive aggressive or ghost like ghost lighting, whatever that word is. It's just being honest. And I think when you, when I'm totally honest with someone else, I'm essentially giving them permission to be totally honest with me because that's the only way true communication or true connection happens. So if I'm not being fully myself, then basically I'm telling that other person, I don't trust you enough. I don't feel safe enough with you to let you be your full self because you'll hold back because I'm holding back. I'm feeling that so much in my heart right now that that's, it is, it's like comes really from the heart. So thank you for that. And when we try to protect people, we're not, we're whole, you know, it's, so I think it's, a, so for me, it's about sort of understanding, understanding my right place, you know, like to be right size, they say in the program, right? So you're not out here, you're not in here, but you're right size. You own yourself, you own the words, the deeds, the actions, and you accept yes. the consequences from that. And whatever someone else is on someone else. Absolutely. I love that answer. I need to steal that from you. That was really beautiful. <laughs> the How can people get in touch with uh, you or hear me or give us every every place where you are so we can. So Adam at hearme.app, Adam at H-E-A-R-M-E dot A-P-P or Adam Lippin on LinkedIn. Um I'm not big on other socials, but Hear Me has an Instagram. I think it's Hear Me underscore app. Um, and I believe we have a LinkedIn and Facebook as well. But the best way to reach me is just my name, Adam Lippin at LinkedIn, or you can email me. Okay. That's wonderful. how I tend to communicate best. No, I love that. Adam Lippin with two Ps. Thank you so much for being on the show today. It has been a joy and I've learned so much and you've empowered so many people that are listening and including myself, that um, thank you for creating this app and what you're doing. It's just, it's a really beautiful thing and we need more people in the world like you. So thank you so much. And back at you. I think we have a mutual <laughs> admiration society thing going on. I, I think you're wonderful. Oh. And uh, yeah, I think, I think it's great. So thank you for allowing me to be on and sharing and I'm glad that that you enjoyed it. And I hope people that are listening enjoyed it as well. So, me too. Me too. Thank you. And okay. thank you all for listening today and for joining us. And until we meet next week, have a fearlessly authentic week. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in this week to Fearlessly Authentic. Please listen again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with your host, Jody Harrison-Bauer on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and unlock the keys to a more powerful you. Become